What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and here with me on the other end of the line is my co-host, Curtis. And, guys, I wish we had something new to talk about in regards to Georgia basketball. I really do. I'm kind of tired of talking about the same old thing, but that's kind of what they're giving us. That's the story we're seeing week in and week out, game in and game out, at least over the past couple weeks here, is where we're, we're getting leads, and then we're blowing them. We cannot sustain it. We cannot close out. Uh, like I said in last week's show, it's another example, Saturday against Kansas State, of the fact that we are good, but just not good enough. And that's just been the story of this season, and it continues to be the case. So I guess we'll go through it one more time, kind of recap that Kansas State game, and also take a look at moving forward, how do we try to get this ship righted? I, I don't know if there's a way to do that, but we're going to kind of investigate that, talk about it a little bit, because we have, I mean, as this is hard to believe, Considering where we're sitting right now in conference and, and overall three and five in conference, twelve and eight overall, but we are just now about to hit the meat of our schedule. We've had Auburn once on the road, but we still have Florida twice. We still have Tennessee twice. Auburn one more time at home. We still got. A, 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 I know A and M schedule or their conference record is not great, but it's still a top fifty RPI team and top forty RPI team. Still have a matchup with them. Still have to go to Mississippi State, who just beat Missouri. So the the meat of this schedule is still very much in front of us and. <laughs> If we're going to try to do anything, which let's be real, if you've watched this product, it's very unlikely we're going to do anything. But if we're going to do anything, we've got to get it figured out quickly. So we'll get into all of that here momentarily. But just a few quick reminders first. I'll make sure everyone knows you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA. We definitely appreciate everyone who interacts with us and shares your thoughts. Uh, we do enjoy that. So if, you, if you're not following us, definitely do so and feel free to share your thoughts. Absolutely. We definitely would appreciate that. Uh, and want to also make sure that everyone out there, especially some of the newer listeners, know you guys can find us on a bunch of different platforms. Clearly, you're listening to us somewhere, somehow. But you want to make sure everyone knows you can find us, of course, on DogSportsRadio.com, also the DogSportsRadio app that you can download straight to your smartphone. Uh, if iTunes and SoundCloud work for you a little bit better, if that's a little more seamless for you, you can definitely check us out there. And the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. So find us somewhere out there. Uh, help us spread the word. We definitely appreciate that. Really uh, grateful for everyone who's taken time to rate and review the show on your preferred platform. If you haven't done so, uh, I know things get busy, but we'd really appreciate it. If you could just take a, a few seconds here and there and just rate, review the show, share your thoughts with us on on uh, what's going on here with our show. We really appreciate that. It would definitely help us out. But uh, all right, with all that out of the way, Kurt, let's let's just go ahead and, and rip this Band-Aid off. Let's, let's get into this. I really, again, I, I'm not even sure where to start. We've we keep getting these leads in games, although we didn't have a huge lead in this game at Kansas State, but we had a lead late in this game, but yet again, we could not close it out. We're going to get into in the general conversation here of why we're having so much trouble closing games out, but let's let's look at this particular game and and look at what what was the issue in this game, Kurt? Why, why was this another game that we could not close out late? Um, it's as simple as what's been affecting us in a lot of games this year is the scoring droughts. So, um, you know, we like uh, we were dominating on the the boards, and I mean, we we are physically dominating most of the game. But the thing is, especially you know throughout the game, there were two or three minute stretches where we wouldn't score. But the, what you know what killed us was at the end that um, six and a half minute stretch to end the game where we only scored two points, and that that's honestly what stopped us from winning the game. I mean, defensively all year we played pretty well for the most part. I mean. A couple weeks ago, we held South Carolina at 29%. We still lose. And against uh, Kansas State, we were playing pretty good defense. And yet, the, the scoring drought at the end just killed us. When you hold a team to 56 points, you have no business losing that game. 
You do not. You have no business losing that game when you hold a team to 56 points. It's it's insanity that you do lose a game when you hold a team to 56 points like that. It's just it's craziness, but that's just kind of where we are right now with this basketball team. It's Again, it's the same story week in and week out. And just to kind of put this in, into some, uh, I guess, some greater context – I did. Yeah, you know, I was just so frustrated watching that game because it, again, we are seeing the same thing over and over again, and, and that gets a gets quite a bit frustrating. But uh, I, I I tweeted this out, so some of you might have already seen this. But just for those of you who did not, uh, Kurt, do you remember how many points we scored in the Rose Bowl against Oklahoma? Fifty four. Fifty four points, right? So our football team scored fifty four points in the Rose Bowl. Our basketball team scored fifty one at Kansas State. Fifty one points. Uh, and put it in a better context here. Let me look at. I'm, I, I went down. I know this, this took a little bit of time because I was just. I, normally, I wouldn't do this, but I was just so frustrated. I had a little bit of time. Uh, my wife was. We were driving. She was driving. I was in the passenger seat. Had some time to look this up. And I went back and looked at the other SEC teams that played on Saturday. And this, I, this, the, the impetus for this was I was watching the Oklahoma Alabama game, and I noticed that both of them. Uh, both those teams at the 14-31 mark in the second half, they both had more points than we had for the entire game against Kansas State. So, so that kind of sparked my my mind there for a second. I was like, you know what? I wonder what it was like for the rest of the SEC. When did they have 51 points in their games? We've got Florida against Baylor. Florida had had more than 51 points at the 14-34 mark in the second half. Ole Miss and Texas uh, in their match, they both had over 51 points at the 9-minute 12 mark, 9-minute 12-second mark in the second half. Uh, Tennessee had 52 points at the 10-minute mark. Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt with their eight wins, had more than 51 points with 16 minutes and 34 seconds left to go in the second half of their match against TCU. Texas A&M against Kansas on the road at Kansas had more than 51 points with 10 minutes and 28 seconds left to go again. Kentucky at West Virginia, 13 minutes, 11 seconds. Arkansas, 9 minutes, 34 seconds. Mississippi State, 10 minutes, 56 seconds. Those are the points that all those teams had more points in their games on Saturday than we had for the entire game. It's just it's it's comical at this point. It's comically bad. Like I, I sit there and I'm just like I it's, I kind of chuckle to myself. And trust me, guys, I'm it's 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 like a depressed chuckle. I I, I take no pleasure. In it. It's horrifying, but it's just like this is the same old thing. And you could you could you just know exactly what to expect. So, but what is the problem here? Why are we having so much trouble scoring? Uh, one big thing that kills us offensively, if you watch it throughout the game, even the announcers just talk about it. There were quite a few times where we had numbers, but you have Mark Fox yelling from the sidelines, slow it down, slow yep. it down, slow it down. Yep. And that's our offensive identity is to slow it down and go through our offense. But, the but we, what our, offense are we going through? Yeah, as I say, that's our problem is we don't have a great offense. We don't have an offense that is cutting and screening and getting people open. No, that's not our offense. We always run the top, run the shot clock down and try to get a shot, and most of the time it doesn't work. And I think that's our biggest problem is because we're not quick or as strong as most of these other teams we're playing that when we allow them to get their defensive set, we're in trouble. Absolutely, 100%. And here's my issue with, with our offensive scheme. It, obviously, clearly, we're trying to minimize possessions, we're trying to slow the game down, and we, as as part of that, we try to run the shot clock. And, I, and if you're going to try to run the shot clock because you're running your if, if you're running your offense while you're running the shot clock down, I'm okay with that because at least you're 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 making the defense move. You're trying to create gaps, trying to create lanes. You can take the ball to the to the hoop, trying to get guys uh, out of position. I get that. But we don't do that. We literally just dribble at the top, back and forth, maybe a pass here, maybe a pass there, but nothing with any meaning. We're not actually running an offense when we're running clock. We're just kind of just standing around, letting the clock run down to about 10 to 12 seconds, and then, oh, now let's go ahead and get into a set. I don't understand the purpose of that. 
Why do we not run those sets at the beginning of the clock? And you're right about slowing the ball down. When we have numbers, we, we could potentially push the ball, push the pace a little bit. But you hear Coach Fox shout from the sideline, slow it down, slow it down. You see him put his hands up. You see all that. And I'm with you 100% because when we slow it down like that, you're exactly right. We're allowing the defense to get set. It's much more difficult to score against a defense that's set as opposed to a defense that is, is not, I don't say panicking, but is, is still in flux trying to get back on defense. They're clearly not set. To me, that's where you get easy baskets. And if you're a team like us who struggles to score in the, in the half court clearly, why not try to push the pace when you have numbers and try to get easy transition buckets against defenses that are not set? I mean, is that kind of what you're looking at here? Yeah, and the biggest thing is not only, I mean, if we had a good players all around, it's okay. If you have a Virginia or a system like that, you can do that. But we don't. We don't have guards that can consistently score for us. So every We have no shooters. What, yeah, we have no shooters. So teams know what we want to do. So in doing so, when we want to have our offensive identity, it doesn't work because we don't have the players that fit, And in my opinion, that fit what we want to do. And so, therefore, when we try to do something like that, it doesn't work because they just crowd the middle. You have Yonte who gets double teamed every time he gets the ball. As soon as he touches the ball. Exactly. So it doesn't open it up. Yeah, and I'm going to kind of piggyback on what you just said there about Yonte. And this is nothing new. We've talked about this past couple shows, but it was on full display. Again, maybe as starkly as it has been. I mean, when he got the ball in the post, when he posted up, he'd, he'd, he'd have single coverage there to start. But when he, as soon as the ball would be entered into him in the post – immediately doesn't matter who they were covering they were leaving their perimeter uh, uh players and they were crashing on yante immediately so if, if he does not jack up the ball as soon as he touches it he has no chance because he's going to be swarmed with hands no chance whatsoever because they have no fear leaving our shooters on the perimeter. they have no fear whatsoever there's no one that scares anybody they'd much rather crash on yante and take him out of the game and if we're, if Jawan parker is going to hit some shots then hit some shots. If Turtle doesn't hit some shots, hit some shots. But that's not happening consistently. Turtle had a good game uh, on Tuesday night against Arkansas. He hit five threes, but he was back to his old self again on Saturday against Kansas State, shoot going one for ten. And that's and because that that's that's what Turtle Jackson has been the entire conference portion of the schedule. Yeah, he, he put, yeah, he just had one of those special games against was, Arkansas. Yeah. And that still wasn't. Enough. That was the anomaly. That's that's been the exception in conference play for Turtle. What we saw on Saturday, that has been the rule for him. And he just kind of reverted back to that. So, I mean, it's kind of a one-game a one blip, which is great. I'm glad he had a one-game blip. I'll take that over no games. But let's be real. Turtle Jackson, is what he was Saturday is kind of who he's been since conference play started. He had a, a nice, solid non-conference slate. But as we go on the conference, he's completely nosedived. It's crazy. He does nothing. I mean, he doesn't create shots for anyone or anything. No, and, and here's another thing. So, going back to Yonsei real quick, I just want to, I want to give you a comparison, okay? Do you, you know, have you ever seen this guy, Jock Landale, at, at St. Mary's? No. Okay, well, Jock Landale is one of the he's he probably is the best big man in America. True center doesn't really uh, doesn't really have much of a jump shot. He can he can hit a mid range shot here and there, but he's not exactly like Yante. Yante is more versatile. He's a true back to the basket post type player, and he is by far St. Mary's best player. He just dropped thirty two against BYU. I watched that entire game. Uh, we played him earlier. He had thirty three against us. And if and I, I bring this up because I was watching them play BYU, and clearly Jock Landale is St. Mary's best player, right? And he he's a force down low. I mean, he dropped 32 against them. Uh, he was 13 of 19 in that game. The reason Jock Landale was so effective, he's no better, honestly, he's no better in the post than Yante Maiden. Yante's a little more versatile, but in terms of like the back of the basket game, Yante's got a great post-up game. And Landale, the, the, essentially the same type post-up game. Two really high-quality bigs. 
But Landell was able to drop 32 points. He had 32 against BYU, 32 against Pacific, 33 against us. I mean, the dudes, 32 against Pepperdine. I know those, those aren't great teams. Uh, but still, he had some huge games this year. Uh, and that's just what he's done his entire career. But if you watch them play, every single time he had the ball in the post, the BYU defenders would not crash, crash on him. He had single coverage every single time. They would not double. They would not triple. And you know why that is? Because, because St. Mary's also has shooters. They have they have Hermanson. They have uh, Emmett Nar out there. Guys that BYU could not leave because they will drain threes consistently if you do not put a hand in their face. That's the difference between a team like St. Mary's and us. We both have dominant bigs, but St. Mary's big can be more effective because they have shooters that the, the defenders simply cannot leave. We don't have those shooters. We just don't have them on the roster. So Yante, he literally has to force a shot up every single time he gets or tries to dish it out to somebody who is wide open, but those guys miss shots. Yante Bain took 11 shots. He took 11 shots against St. Mary's. In what world is that enough for him? I mean, seriously, in what world is that enough shots for him? It's not. Even then, it's half the time when we do, when he gets a few shots, he forces them. He has he's not to. Yeah, he has to. So he's, you're exactly right. He has to, he's forced to force shots up, and those shots are not good looks. Because if he doesn't, if, literally, if he does not shoot it as soon as he gets it, he has no chance to get a bucket because he's double and triple team immediately. But, I mean, when your best player takes 11 shots, I mean, not even close, your best player takes 11 shots, you're not going to win that game. Now, he was he was efficient, you know, 6 of 11, uh, 14 points. But Yante has to take more shots. And he's not. He, the reason he only had 11 field goal attempts is because, again, as soon as he touches it, they were crashing on him. They had no fear whatsoever leaving our, our perimeter shooters. Because, I, I mean, calling them perimeter shooters is being very generous. Because they're just perimeter players at this point. They're not I perimeter mean, shooters. Even right now, Joel Parker's honestly shooting out of his mind, and it's still not enough. Well, he's, he's shooting better from, from distance than he has his entire career. Now, he's only one for six in this game, but still, that's and that's kind of what he's been his whole career. But coming into this game the past three or four games, you're right. He's been shooting at a higher rate than he has all year long. Uh, but I, I, And this is my concern. is like, well, we had to have a number two shooter because we have our, our score. We haven't had that all year. Maybe Juwan could be that. But And he had two or three games there where it's like, okay, maybe he can be that. But I, I don't know. If you look at the entire schedule, he's had about two or three games like that, three or four maybe. But I just don't know if he's consistently going to be that guy. And if it's not Jawan, who's it going to be? Because it's not Turtle. And and Hammonds is super talented, but he just hasn't found the stroke offensively. You, you can tell he's just so hesitant out there. He just hasn't had the confidence. He's not assertive enough. Uh, and we don't run enough for him. We just haven't, we haven't, I don't think we've done a good enough job getting him confidence early on in the schedule uh, to where he should be rolling right now. And he's just not. He's, he's still trying to find his rhythm. He hasn't found it yet. But I, I have high hopes for him in the future. But right now he hasn't been the answer. And then... You know, Tyree Crump played a, a good bit in this game. Or, well, a good bit, at least by Tyree Crump standards, played nine minutes. Um, Hightower, I mean, did, I, we, we didn't, I did not get a definitive word there. Have you heard anything definitive on why he didn't play? Was it, You think it's an injury? I haven't heard a word. Yeah, I looked for I, I haven't heard anything. So maybe potentially an injury. I don't know. There'd be real, Honestly, uh, you, you would think, well, he had, him just not playing at all. Like, where does that come from? But isn't that kind of par for the course for Mark Fox? Guys play a lot, and all of a sudden, one game they just don't play at all. It's just kind of par for the course there. All right, well, so if that's this particular game, let's look at the bigger picture and talk about why we're having so much trouble closing out. Is is Was this game just a microcosm of the issues that are plaguing us in terms of trying to close out games? You know, we have a 14-point lead on the road against Auburn, a top-five RPI team. We've been a mega win for this team. Had a top a chance at another top-30 win uh, at home against Arkansas. Had a lead there late, blew that game. 
Obviously, Kansas State had a, had a small lead, a five-point lead late in that game, and ended up blowing that. What is the issue here? Why are we not closing games out? Uh, like I said earlier, it's really just our lack of offensive identity and the ineptitude of the offense. I mean, Auburn, we had a huge lead. We come out in the second half, we don't score a single basket for 12 minutes straight. <sighs> yeah. and it, We had at least – I don't have the number. I had them. I don't have them in front of me right now. Yesterday's game – uh, at Kansas State, I know we had at least two six-minute-plus drought, scoring droughts. And, and I, I know there were multiple three-minute Yeah, there were multiple three-plus-minute droughts on top of the six-minute-plus drought. So, and again, that's not surprising. That's been happening for five-plus years, has it not? It has. I mean, that's that's always been what's killed us. I mean, the scoring droughts. Georgia plays great defense, but we can't score. And I just and it's the scoring you just cannot especially when you're on the road against a quality but against the state's not great but they've been hot lately and won four of the last five coming to the end of that game we lost four of our last five so it's two teams with completely opposite trajectories um, but they're they're a quality opponent and when you when you have a lead like that you simply have to be able to close it out and my big thing and tell me if you disagree this is where I think the problem lies we've talked about this. But the problem is we do not have, outside of Yante, but we don't have a guard that can go get a bucket when we have to get one. Do you agree? I agree. Um, you know, you saw it against Arkansas when Macon was out there. Yep. They, you know, Barf, uh, Barford got tired. Macon goes out there and makes shots. You know, I was watching the Arkansas play Oklahoma State, and uh, Oklahoma State was cruising. They were up by, you know, I want to say 11 or 12 at one point in the first yep. half, and all of a sudden Macon comes back with eight straight points. Yep. Um, and they, then all of a sudden they close the gap. And, and you know, that's that's what Georgia misses. Other than Maine, we have no one that can help us close any gaps consistently. That, you know, if we have to have a bucket, that the ball's in their hand. It, to me, and as much as I like a good big, and you have to have good big, so they're important. But college basketball in general, especially in college basketball in particular, has become a guard-oriented sport. You have to have guards. And the reason I would take an elite guard over an elite big is because you have to have someone that can get the ball to a big. It's easier to take them out of the game than it is to take a guard because a guard can just go get you a bucket, right? And, yeah, and even then, we're not a big lineup. I mean, our no. biggest guy is six foot eight with Deontay. I mean, that and for most most teams, that's a, that's a small lineup. And so that sure. would be a guard predominant line, which is for the most part what we do, yet we still have no shooters. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think the problem is we do not have that one guard like we have with JJ the past couple years that when the shot clock's running low, he can bail us out. When it's late in the game and you need you need a bucket to stay in the game or you need that bucket to extend the lead to give you the win, we don't have that guy. Or, you know, or even take pressure off other people. I mean, we have no creators. Yeah, we, that's that's the problem. We don't have anyone that can create their own shot outside of Yante Maiden. And we have no guard that can create their own shot. None. Just absolutely none. If you look at some of the better teams in the league, they have those guys. You have at Florida, you got Chris Chioza. Uh, if you look at, at Alabama, yeah, you got Colin Sexton at Alabama. Uh, you got Auburn. They got two guys. You got Heron and you got Brown. I mean, these the better teams in this conference in Arkansas. You've got Barford and you've got Macon and sometimes Beardle. Oh, he's not the level of those two guys, uh, but they all have guards that when it's crunch time and you need a bucket, they can either take it to the rim and get you a bucket at the rim, or they can they can rise up and shoot in your face like we saw Daryl Macon do to us multiple times in overtime uh, last Tuesday. We do not have a guy like that. Everything we get offensively, we have to work hard for. Nothing and comes honest, easy. And let's be honest, the teams we're talking about are not like these powerhouse teams like a Kentucky, a Duke. Or te- we're not talking about teams like no. that that get all the five stars. No, Arkansas, uh, Auburn, uh, now even Alabama, they're, I mean, 
for the most part, their program is not that much different from ours, but yet they're finding players and we're not. Just our, and I, I, we, we've talked about this before, and, and some people on Twitter disagree with me about how, you know, they say that Fox really does develop players, and I've been on the fence with I think there's some cases where, yes, he, you can point to say he really developed those players, but there's also a lot of cases where you can say those guys have seen no development whatsoever. I think outside of J.J. Frazier, I don't think we develop our guards very well. I think we do a really good job of developing our bigs. I think Jonas A is a really good big man coach. Uh, if you look at guys like Yante, uh, go back to Marcus Thornton, Nimi Jersey, we those guys progress over their time at Georgia. Obey, he, he's definitely seen some progress over where he was his freshman year. I don't think he's he's taken a huge step, but he's definitely made some progress. But our guards outside of J.J. Frazier, I'm not sure they make that much progress. Look at Kenny Gaines, okay? Who he was as a, fre- as, a as a sophomore is essentially who he was as a, as a senior. Charles Mann regressed over time. Yeah, uh, look at Turtle Jackson. Oh, wow, this kid has a bright future, and it yeah. was never. Yeah. I mean, Charles Mann's f- freshman year, like, okay, this dude's going to be a good player. He's going to be a legit player, and he just got worse literally every single year. Uh, and uh, Turtle Jackson's another example. Jordan Harris, this year, I know it's only one year, so it's, they, we still have a couple more years to work with him. Him and Crump, both, they've made no jumps whatsoever. Yeah, guys, I mean, in every college sport, you're supposed to see jump from year one to year two, and there's been none. None. I mean, again, I, I actually would I would argue that Jordan Harris has regressed this year. He has. He's become even more hesitant to shoot the ball. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Well, and he shoots missiles. He shoots lasers that have no arc on them whatsoever. He's they either go in. His shots either go in or it's an absolute brick. And it's and it's not even just the shooting. Just like him trying to take him trying to put the ball on the floor and take it to the rim. He has no idea what he wants to do. He has no vision. He just plows over people. I mean, how many times have you seen this guy get charges this year? Uh, I mean, almost every time he puts his head down, he just puts his head down and runs over people. A charges are a turnover. And that's a, they are absolutely. So I mean, I, I know it's just one year, but still, I've seen no progress. In fact, I would argue that I've seen a regression from Jordan Harris, and, I, and we've seen a regression from. Ty, well, I don't know if we've seen a regression from Tyree Crum because he hardly plays, so it's hard to really say much there. Uh, but those guys have not improved. They just simply have not improved. Uh, well, Alabama's got a guy that you know they go out and get Colin Sexton. You're right; that's a very similar program to us. But they go out, they hire a coach in Avery Johnson, who's a legit coach, and go out there and and. and Get some of these five star talents. A guy like Colin Sexton. I mean, going to Alabama? Are you kidding me? They, they, they're and they Petty. Another guy. Another freshman there. You're getting those guys. We have no one of this sort. We have no one when the clock's going down to just go get us a bucket. Everything we get has to be difficult. We get no easy points. No easy. I mean, a part of that's our own doing because when we have a chance, like you said earlier, when we have numbers, instead of attacking, we pull it back and try to go the hard way instead of going for the easy transition buckets there. Which just makes no sense to me whatsoever. I, I really can't explain it. I, I don't. I don't have any words for it. All right, well, we're going to start doing this. Uh, I meant to do this last week with the show, Kurt, but we're going to start doing this with every show that we, where we recap a game because uh, I'm curious to see where it's going to go from now. You last time we talked about our tournament chances. You put our our chances at at what? Do you remember? I said zero. Zero percent. I said about twenty five percent because we had some opportunities ahead of us. So I'm going to revisit, Curtis. Are you still sticking with our NCAA tournament chances at a big fat zero? Uh, yeah, because nothing has changed. You know, in this last in the last couple weeks, we had seen something change, maybe so, but nothing has changed. I actually feel like we've regressed. I mean, it's hard to argue with that. Um, I think we've definitely taken pretty significant steps back, and we've we've gotten hey, we, let's 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 throw ourselves a uh, a moral victory party. We've been close, we've been close, man. We're almost there, but that's been the story for I don't know how many years now. Uh, I can't sit here and say with a straight face that our tournament chances are twenty five percent right now. I would put it at about 
I wouldn't. I uh, ten. I feel like ten's a little strong, but I'm gonna go with ten percent. The only reason I say even ten percent chance is because you, like I said earlier, we have the meat of our conference schedule still ahead of us. We have op- we have opportunities to get resume wins. That's all I'm saying. We have two matchups with number twelve. RPI team in, in Tennessee. We have two matchups with Florida at number th- 36 in the RPI. We have another home matchup with Auburn at number five. Another matchup, another home matchup with AM, uh, who's in the top 40 of the RPI right now, still somehow. Uh, so we have opportunities to get resume wins. So for that and that reason only, I'll, I'll put our tournament chances at 10% because maybe we screw up and somehow get a couple of those wins. But in reality, looking at how we've been playing, like you said, looking at how we've been playing, I have a, I have very very I would say exceedingly little faith that we're going to get any of those wins. Now maybe if we get two of the two wins against that that five that five game stretch with Auburn, Tennessee, and Florida, five games out of the against those teams right there. Maybe if we can get two of those and then hold serve against the likes of Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and LSU, and B A and M. Maybe we have a chance, but at this point, Curtis, are you counting on that to happen? No. If we can't do it against the the teams that we should watch. Why should we expect anything different? Yeah, why is it going to start now? I I tend to agree with you there. All right, one more question here. I, just trying to find something maybe possibly positive heading forward here. If you're if you are Mark Fox and you are charged with finding a way to get us out of this slump and try to get this team over the hump, what is the solution to fix this team right now? as we head into the meat of the schedule. What is your solution? What do you do differently to try to fix this team? Take the reins off the offense. Allow them to run fast break. I mean, that's college college basketball. The best teams run the fast break. They Easy get, points. They, transition they, buckets. They, yeah, they get transition buckets. They put pressure on the other team's defense. I mean, we have a great defense. Our defense keeps us in the game for a lot, quite a few games. So we need to allow our players to get transition buckets and put pressure on the opposing team's defenses. Yeah, instead, they, of, instead of pressuring ours to have to get a stop every time. I, I agree. I think we have to find a way to – I've said this before. I know it sounds like a broken record, but it's just – it's the truth. you got to find a way, kind of what you were saying there, to get easy buckets. Because you're right. Defensively, we are still a top 10 defense nationally. We're number eight nationally in field goal defense, um, holding opponents at 38.7% from the field. All right? This is a very good defensive basketball team. That's going to give us a chance every single night to win games. And that's why we don't get blown out. Like we're not getting blown out by anybody. We're in these games. That's what some people want. That's where some of the Mark Fox finish come and say, "Hey, we're almost there. We're so close." It's like, "Yeah, okay, we play really good defense. I'll give you that." But it doesn't matter how good defense you play. It doesn't matter if you hold a team to 56 points when you only score 51. Okay? When you're averaging uh, when you're 283rd nationally in scoring offense, and you're 265th nationally in field goal percentage offense, it doesn't matter if you're a top 10 defense if the, if you're putting up that kind of performance 99 out on the offensive side of the ball, or, or offensive side of the equation here. So we've got to find a way to get easy buckets because in the half court, it's just not working. We don't have enough shooters in the half court to run the offense to really – because unfortunately, our lack of shooters is neutralizing our best weapon in Yante Maiden. Now, he still finds a way to – he's that good that he still finds a way to make an impact on the game. But I said this last week on the show, and I'll stand by it. If we had one, maybe two shooters, legitimate shooters that teams had to account for, and you put them on the same side as Yante Mayton, Yante would average 25 points a game. I firmly believe that. 
it's a it's a it's a borderline like it's almost miraculous, and it's a testament to how good Yante is that he's averaging almost twenty points a game right now and still leading the SEC. We literally have no shooters to come at him whatsoever. Everything he get, he has to fight for. He gets nothing easy whatsoever. Kind of like our offense as a whole, and it's again a testament to how good Yante is that he's still leading the league in scoring with no help offensively, none. So you're right. I think we got to find a way to get easy buckets. But here's the sad thing, man. Outside of that. I, I, when preparing for this show, I was very tempted to say in answering this question that I'm not sure there is a solution. Like, do you really honestly think that by speaking up, is that really going to solve our problems? Um, I think it could get us a lot closer to the solution than where we are. Yeah. But I mean, you got to try something, I guess. Because we still don't have shooters. We're still not developing guys. I honestly, I, I, I honestly, at this point, and I know this sounds defeatist and this sounds hopeless, and I, I hate to sound this way, but. After what I've seen the past couple of weeks, I'm just not sure there is a solution with this team. I, tr- I mean, maybe there's if we speak. I'm sure if we if I think if we did play a little faster, took advantage of number situation, try to get some transition buckets, get some easy buckets there. I think that that could help matters, but I don't know if that's going to put us over the top. I I think I honestly think the personnel is just too limited outside of Yante Maiden. I think the personnel is just too limited on this team, and I don't I don't think there's an in season fix for this team. A true in-season fix that's going to push us in the tournament. I hope I am wrong here. I think this is the thing that we're going to have to fix with the recruiting. And I know we've got a, we've got a couple of good players coming in 2019, but I'm, I mean, it, and somebody mentioned this on Twitter. Have you not seen how we're recruiting? Yeah, I've seen how we're recruiting. But the, Hagens, all right, that that big time class, King. That's that's in 2019. We don't. I don't think we really have any true impact year one impact players coming in next year. I really don't. I mean, Mezzi, he looks he looks like a solid player, but I don't know if he is a year one impact type guy. I don't know if he's going to fix the problem. So I really think right now it's just a roster issue. I, it's a personnel problem, and I'm not sure that's something you can fix in season. And maybe in a year or two we can get some better players in here. We just don't have enough shooters. We don't have enough guards that can that can create on their own. We don't have anyone to compliment our best player, Neontay Maiton. So I just, as good defense as we play, until we get fix that problem offensively, I just don't know if there is a real long a real solution for this season. And that pains me to say because I, I love Georgia basketball. I love everything Georgia. I mean, I'm not one of those guys that's just Georgia football. Obviously, we're doing a podcast here on Georgia basketball. And it, it's very frustrating year in, year out to see the same thing over and over again. All right. Let's look ahead real quick to the Florida game, Curtis. <laughs> what uh, what would you put the percentage chance for us to win this basketball game? And it's at home on Tuesday. And I hope everyone's out there. You know, it's, it's not a 630 game, so I hope you get, everyone has a little, chance, a little more time to get out there to the game. What percent chance do you give us to win this one, Kurt? I'll be nice and say 15. 15%. I think Florida is a potential Final Four team. I know they, they, they had a rough start to the conference schedule, but they had a really good – for the most – and they, right at the end of the non-con, they, they kind of they, – they messed up a little bit there. They looked, they looked like a, a national championship team in the early part of the schedule, and then they lose that game to Duke in the PK-80 uh, where they, they had a big lead there and blew that to Duke. They kind of were never the same team. They are kind of getting back in the show. They lost to – South Carolina at home last week, uh, but I still think Florida has the pieces to be a potential Final Four caliber team. I don't know if they'll get there, if they'll round into form. They have some really good pieces. Uh, bottom line is they're, they're, they're a significantly more talented team than us, right? Yeah. I mean, the only player that we have that, that would I would I would say play any minutes for them is Yante Maiden. And maybe, I mean, Obede maybe, get a, get a couple here and there. He might play 10, 15 minutes for them. Uh, but they're the more talented team. But hey, we're at home. Maybe the crowd can make a difference if we can get in the game. Uh, although... The crowd, I would say, again, was kind of uninspiring last Tuesday against Arkansas. But this is a rivalry game, so maybe we can do our part and and kind of help us find a way to dig deep and get this win. We're gonna, I think, we're gonna have a chance. I don't see Florida blowing us out uh, because I, I think we're gonna defend them well enough to give us a chance. I just don't know if we're gonna score enough. I really don't. I think. 
Same old story. All right, well, we'll see what happens Tuesday. We'll be back later in the week to definitely discuss that game. And we'll also have our Friday, our Football Friday show this week. We're definitely focusing on the recruiting front, given that next week is the February traditional signing period. Got a few guys, a few big-time targets still out there. And we'll be recapping, or not recapping, we'll be kind of previewing that and taking a look at which of those guys we think are most important to land here coming up on the February signing period. So make sure you check both those shows out. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks for listening, guys. We do appreciate it. And as always, go Dawgs.